But it was like you gave me permission in a strange way to say, I'm opening the doors, now fly. This is Ray Renati. This is Ray Renati, your girl Ray Ray. Hope you're all doing well today. Boy, Happy New Year. I know we're a week into it already. Yeah, the 9th of January. Wow. 2019. We still got the, the orangutan at the helm. Wanting his wall. It's like a reality TV show. Hey, what do you expect? That's what the guy did for, what, 15 years? He's got that down. He can can tell a lie like nobody business. You know, that's what you do on reality TV. Reality TV is basically a bunch of smoke and mirrors. Well, that's what he's good at. What do you expect? Give the guy his props. He's He's doing what he's good at. He's exercising his talent, as it were. How was your New Year's Eve? Mine sucked. (laughs) New Year's Eve, I think, is my least favorite holiday. I'm not sure why. I think it's, it just seems like any other day to me, and we're supposed to be all, woo, it's New Year's Eve. Tomorrow I get my New Year's resolutions in, and then I get to break them after three months and feel all guilty and shit. Woo! I don't know. What happened to me? Looks like my my, my wife went out salsa dancing with her her friend who's, who's getting divorced. And I was supposed to go meet him, but I, I forgot to get in the car. and It was too late. And then my, my kids don't give a flying fagook about New Year's Eve. So they're locked in their rooms playing their computer games. And I'm just sitting there watching TV, watching a bunch of second-rate has-been celebrities getting drunk. Crying in my soup. Crying in my soup. Yeah, well, that's okay. I recovered. What's new in the world of entertainment? You know, I saw uh, this movie, The Wife, starring Glenn Close. Yeah, you know, it's a damn good movie. And she just won the Golden Globe Award, what, two days ago, I believe, um, for her portrayal of uh, the wife of uh, the guy who won um, the, the, the Pulitzer Prize for Literature. I don't want to give anything away, but her performance is like a master class for actors. If you're an actor, watch that movie and study Glenn Close because uh, she's amazing. I think she's one of the most underrated actors in our society that we've had, uh, most underrated actors we've had for many years. It also starts Jonathan Price, the great Jonathan Price. Really good film. Really good. I'm so glad she won. I hope she gets the Oscar. I don't think she's ever won an Oscar. Uh, who's going to host the Oscars? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. We had the comedian. What, what was the hell is his name? The guy who uh, made some 
jokes about gay people 10 years ago, so they took it away from him. Yeah, we're living in that kind of society now. You know, I went and saw A Bronx Tale, which was originally a film in uh, 1993, I believe, starring uh, Robert De Niro. And then Chaz Palminteri, uh, he wrote a one-man show that played on Broadway a couple times, I believe last time in 2010. And now there is the Broadway musical, which has been on Broadway for a while. Now it's on tour, and I went and saw it in San Francisco. That's a damn good show. Really good. Uh, it's about family and racism and Italian families and and uh, hardworking people who have, who have to try to pull themselves up by their own booty straps. But uh, one thing that really struck me in this film, uh, film, no, play, musical, was this. Uh, and I'm not making a judgment about it. it, it it's just uh, an indication of where we're at as a society right now in terms of, you know, me too and, and uh, lack of equality and people very being very sensitive about every word and phrase and, and, and the, way you, the way you say things, you know, the, the lilt in your voice. Uh, so part of the story of A Bronx Tale in the musical was uh, the, the main character falls in love with a, uh, an African-American girl in another neighborhood in the Bronx, the black neighborhood. And uh, I noticed right away that uh, the Italians in the movie call the uh, African-Americans black people, which in the early 60s they would not have done. It, they would have called them either Negro or colored, uh, but they called them black. And I think that was because they didn't want to offend anybody in 2018, even though they're doing a show taking place in the early 60s. But then the thing that really struck me was all throughout the play, the uh, the, America, uh, the African-American people are calling the Italians guineas, wops, dagos, every single epithet you could think of to call a an Italian-American, of which I happen to be one. I, I don't get offended by it. Uh, I used to when I was a kid. People used to call me a wop. But things have changed since then. Anyway, when it came, came time for one of the Italians to call one of the black people uh, the N-word, uh, what they did was, and in the movie, it's you fucking N-word. Now, I was going to say the word, but my kids encouraged me not to, so I won't say it. But what they said instead was, what the character said instead was, you fucking nig. And then he stopped there, and then the black African-American actor cut him off so that he, he couldn't say the whole N-word, just half the N-word. And the entire audience gasped because they thought that this uh, white actor was going to say the N-word on, on, a, on, a, on a stage with an American musical in 2018. Hmm. Yeah. Two people in front of me, two rows in front of me, they left at half an N-word. Uh, in the movie, they actually say the whole thing. But that's film. You know, you can get away with that in film. And if it was a play, you could probably get away with it. But 
a musical. An American musical. We, there are like some unwritten rules, and that kind of breaks one somehow. I'm not, I'm not sure, especially nowadays. I, I just noticed that. It was really... Uh, I just found it really interesting. Um, one of the cool things, and the reason I went to the play is, as some of you might know, if you know me, I, I uh, drive for Uber and Lyft. I, I kind of do it for the money, but when I do it, I, I'm, I, I love to talk to people and meet new people and just see how people behave and, and what's, what interests them. And I'm endlessly curious about that. But anyway, I picked up a, a woman and her, God, I don't know, nine-year-old son, I'd say nine, nine years old, in San Francisco, and we got to talking and... Uh, they told me that he was uh, in A Bronx Tale. One of the stars of the show is a kid, and it's the main character in, in Act One as a child. Um, and there are two actors that alternate playing this part. They always have two children alternating on these Broadway tours like that when they have a big role. I think it has something to do with some union role. So uh, because of that, I went to go see the play. I went to go see the musical. And I, and I visited them uh, at the stage door afterwards, and this kid was something else, man. This little tiny guy, he really, really, uh, really danced up a storm. What a great dancer this kid is. And he can sing and act. Nine years old, blows my mind. But he's out of uh, New York, New Jersey, New York over there. So that's why I went to the show. That, that was interesting. That was interesting. Um, must see TV. Must see TV. Check out the little drummer girl, little drummer girl on AMC. It's a limited series, and it's a great, a great TV show. It, you know, it stars uh, three of my favorite actors. All, one of them I didn't know though, but now she is one of my favorite actors. This, she's sort of a newcomer. Um, on on the scene, as it were, and her name, her name, what the heck is her name? I'm looking at IMDb here, and I, and I chose the wrong one. I was trying to be all uh, you know, nonchalant. I had it up on my screen, and then it disappeared. Her name is Florence something. Florence Pugh, yes. Check her out. She's beautiful, but it's not just that. It's not her, it's her physical beauty. She's a really good actor, and also she has that thing. She's got that charisma that you need to be a big star. And uh, she's only been in a few notable films. She's won a bunch of awards already, though. Yeah, she's gonna be she's gonna be a big deal, and she's young. You know, you know when people start young like that, and they're, and they're good enough to even skip school. You know, when they start having starring roles at the age of 17 and 18, those are the ones that make it big. Yeah. Florence Pugh. Check her out. Check her out. Oh, God, I got interrupted there. I used to have my own studio, but then my son moved home, and I had to move into another room that's, like, packed with all kinds of paraphernalia near the front door and yada yada. So where was I? Oh, yes. Little drummer girl. Florence Pugh, also Alexander Skarsgård. You might know him from True Blood. He was a vampire, an evil vampire. And Michael Shannon, love Michael Shannon. You might remember him from Boardwalk 
Empire. And before I forget, we have a special guest today, Neva Hutchinson. She's been on the show before. She's been on the Green Room Radio before. In fact, I just uh, finished directing one of her plays a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. I talked about it on here, too. Raptured. The Disappearance and Discovery of Amy Semple McPherson. Today, Neva, we talk a lot about a lot of things that have to do with theater and film and acting. Mostly we talk about uh, teaching acting to adults. Really interesting stuff, as opposed to teaching to kids. Um, how, how, to, how to start an acting class in, a, in, a, in, a, in an area of the, uh, the Bay Area that's not flush with uh, people who are dying to get into the craft, as it were. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to be talking to Neva about that coming up here in just a, a minute. Mm-hmm, that's right. What else has been going on? Yeah, I guess I've just been kind of overwhelmed with all this political stuff. I keep watching it on CNN, well, on YouTube, CNN clips, and I get kind of addicted to it. I want to see what the next fiasco is going to be. It's kind of like being addicted to a soap opera. Like when I was a kid, I used to watch All My Children and One Life to Live and General Hospital, and I was addicted to them because I wanted to know what the next crisis was going to be. That's what it's kind of like now in the U.S. You know, what's Trump going to do today? (laughs) It's become like the Truman Show, the United States of America. Just need Jim Carrey in there and some uh, lights falling from the sky and and we'll be set. Yeah, anyway, enough of that. That's the monologue for today. Ba-dum-bump. And now, I'd like to introduce you to Neva Hutchinson, unless you heard her in the last time we talked, the last interview we did, then I'm not introducing you, I'm reintroducing you to Neva Hutchinson. She's a, uh, a playwright, an actor, a teacher, and she's been doing this for many years, a real pro, and we had a great conversation. So enjoy this if you can. Of course you can. Hey, if you got this far, you're going to enjoy it. Believe you me. All right, everybody. Neva Hutchinson. The main thing I learned from that or took away from that experience was our talk that we had on the phone about um, difficulty I was having in letting go and just going there and being there. Even though I'd written the part, I was scared of what the audience would think of the character. And you just said, you can't think of that, Neva. You have to let that go. You just have to play the part. I know. I was kind of hard on you there for a while. No, that's just exactly what I needed to hear. Yeah, I gave the big speech. But it was like you gave me permission in a strange way to say, I'm opening the doors, now fly. Yeah. Well, it must be a challenge to do that when you wrote the role, you know. I mean, if you have sort of... I mean, I imagine when you're writing a play and then you're playing the role that you that you wrote for you might even unconsciously have some preconceived notions about how it should be or or what the restraints are or whatever i did and and then a director comes in and and other actors and 
it doesn't quite fit that, <laughs> you know, uh, if especially if you've been thinking about it for years. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think that's what I saw. So I had to just kind of come in there and, you know, knock you, knock some sense into you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something that Benoit did in the play. <laughs> yeah. But well, I, had to, for, I had to do that with everybody, really. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, because it's, it was more of a, it was very cinematic sort of play, you know? Yes. And so, because the scenes were all, there were a lot of scenes and they were all pretty short. So it's kind of like doing a musical in that, and, and I didn't have a lot of musical theater people. So right, right. when you do a musical, the book part, um, if you want to keep it interesting, you have to kind of really push it and kind of do what might be considered overboard in a play that has really long scenes. But uh-huh. I think with this play, we really, you know, you had to get to the point. Uh-huh. I mean, to the, the the apex of the scene would happen, you know, like 30 seconds a minute into the scene, and then you'd have the rest of the, mm-hmm. the scene, and you just couldn't be subtle about things too much. Right. You know. Uh, Maybe that's why you were such a good director, partly, is because of your musical background musical theater oh it helps it helps it helps um because that never occurred to me but you're absolutely right yeah maybe maybe i don't know could be yeah i don't know i think i think if i'm a good director and thank you for saying that it's probably because of a couple of things um you know i took i took a lot of classes from jean shelton Mm -hmm. when she was younger Mm-hmm. And you did too, yeah, I know. I but I took too. I took her her scene analysis class. I don't know if you ever took they that. They were wonderful. That helped me as a director a lot. I mean, I really took that to heart. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it was an acting class, but yes, I think that any director who took that class learned, and if they really listened, learned a ton. And I think what she taught in that class is a lot of what's missing. In, in a lot of theater, I, the specificity, yes, the the making things personal, making things extremely specific. That's what interests an audience. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, and that's one of and the, it's the little things. The scenes that we're gonna do was her one time she did a a, a lecture on the Biff and Happy scene from Death of a Salesman when they're in their room surrounded by their high school memorabilia mm-hmm. and they pull out the mitt yeah. and they talk about all these different items and it was all about props yeah. and how you deal with props but how you personalize them yeah. and make them have a history and make them have a meaning and that yeah. way it's translated to the audience and that just like opened my mind up to all sorts of ideas and I've never forgotten that, that right. lecture. Right. And that's why, like, in in Raptured, when there was a scene with props, you know, I really, really wanted you to deal with the props like they were real things that had some sort of importance to you. Yes. Because it can be incredibly interesting when an actor is dealing with a thing mm-hmm. and it's causing them to have an emotion or an action that... Yes. an audience can, can relate to because human beings do that all the time in real life you know we're always triggered by the externals around us 
Well, most of us are, unless you're like a yogi yeah. or a guru or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, for many years, I used to smoke two packs a day. You did? And I always joked about how my characters always smoked on stage. Yeah. Because that was my go-to. Oh, right. If I didn't know what to do at the moment, I would light a cigarette, and then I'd continue on with the scene. Mm. And so I kind of did myself a disservice in terms of reaching out. Which I'm starting to learn. Well, then it's more of a crutch than a prop. Yeah, it was. It was a crutch. Yeah. Yeah. Although in a lot of those old movies, you see them smoking cigarettes all the time. Yeah, furiously. (laughs) (laughs) Along with their martinis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, just now, let me wait. Can I give you a light? Sure. (laughs) How about another drink? Waiter! (laughs) How many movies they say that? Yes, how so, many has he had? That's how many I want. That's what Myrna Loy says in Thin Man when she sees all the empty martini I love that glasses. Movie. movie. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're teaching? Uh, yes. Speaking of. For 14 acting, years, I taught teaching? middle schoolers Shakespeare. Yeah. And, and staged a play, directed a play every year, a Shakespeare play with middle schoolers. Well, then I had a dream, and I woke up one day and I thought, You should teach adults. So that's kind of what started it. I have 10 um, people in my class, five of whom I know from other acting experiences. The other five I don't know. Mm, Great. They've just expressed an interest. They've always wanted to but never dared to. Um, So I'm going to start with, I'm going to have each class is for two hours. It's going to involve improvisation, uh, a lecture by me, and then working on a scene. And yeah. at the end of six weeks, we're going to put up the scenes. It's and it's good. two hours a week? Mm-hmm. Just two mm-hmm. hours a week. And where are you teaching them? Uh, we're doing it at a um, studio at St. Peter's Episcopal Church mm-hmm. in Redwood City on uh, Broadway. And I have come up with the plays or the scenes already for even for the people that I haven't met yet I kind of have a feeling of an idea of a couple of scenes that may work and they could pick the best and we're going to start with Pfeiffer's people with monologues by Pfeiffer's people I don't know if you're familiar with those or not no they're comic short bits that are like 10 lines long oh okay they're very funny and they have a joke in every one of them it's sort of like the there's another allegorical sort of uh, what's the one where they where the, um, they have all these short stories that oh, can be yes. done as plays. Spoon River Anthology. Yes, Spoon River Anthology. Yes, yeah. but this is very light. Elaine May um, helped uh, do it with uh, Pfeiffer, Jules Pfeiffer, and it oh, ran wow. on Broadway for a while. Oh, wonderful! And, yeah, Elaine May. Love her. I know she's wonderful. She's talking about off. Wacky, yeah. sort of. Yeah, definitely. Off-centered yeah. people. So, do you still have room in the class? Yes, we so do. So, if people are interested, they could right contact you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I have at a, your website. I have a website. Yeah. Which is www.nevahutchinson.com. Okay. All right, I'll put that in the in the notes so people. Oh, thank they you. They want to take an acting class with a great teacher. Oh, thank you. You can take one. And there are not a lot of acting classes available here no. on the peninsula no. or on the South Bay. And for adults also. 
The, for especially for adults, right? Right. They're, they're almost none. Right. Yeah. How did you find? Uh, so if some of these were your were people you knew. How did you find the other people? To, to I join the put club? out an ad on Next Door. Oh yeah. You know, Next Door. Yeah. And yeah. I got three people from that. Oh, wonderful. And then I got one other person. Um, he had another friend that he signed up. He bought a a, a thing as a present. Mm-hmm. It's a hundred and fifty dollars for six weeks or twelve hours of instruction. Yeah. And um, I can I have more men than I have women. Oh, in the class. interesting. Yes. Wow, that's rare. It's very it's usually rare. the opposite. I know. Huh. Well, that's good to hear. So of course we're going to do Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, um, yeah. the Odd Couple. What a, of mice and men, mm-hmm. you know all those kind on Golden Pond with because I do have some older uh, people in it. Yeah, so they're going to come in. They're going to they're going to uh, they're going to get a scene partner. Mm-hmm. They're going to they're going to go gonna back and them. work on. You're going to sign them. Then they're mm-hmm. going to go home and mm-hmm. rehearse some with their scene partner. Is that right? No, I do think all rehearsals in class? will be in class. Oh, good. Right. Yeah. Right, and every week we have a different topic. Like mm-hmm. one week, it's how to work with props. Yeah. One week, it's how to do script analysis, going through and circling all the um, things in the script that are the joke and that are the questions and mm-hmm. looking at the punctuation. Uh, it's a combination of all the training I've had over the years with different teachers, including Gene Shelton. Mm-hmm which we talked about, and Wynne Hanman at the American Place Theater in New York. I studied with him. And I and Richard Side. Yeah. So it's kind of my technique based on all of that and based on what works for me mm-hmm. in in performing. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I think I think it's my my opinion it's always better to have a a technique that becomes your own uh, that draws from various disciplines rather than just saying, I do Meissner technique or I do this technique. Because what happens is that when you get in the real world, if you're only able to learn a play by doing the Meissner technique, well, there might not be anybody else in your cast who even knows who Meissner is. Well, everyone's going to know who Meissner is, but doesn't know the Meissner technique. And then it just becomes right. impossible. Exactly. Yeah, yeah so... And I think that was a good thing about your directing was right off the top. You said, I don't, you kind of said, I don't care about your technique. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What did I say? I said, well, I said certain things like I don't do warm ups usually because I want people, if you want to do one, you can do your own because you know it works for you. Mm -hmm. And I believe that. And Mm -hmm. um, now I'm not saying I don't ever do that, but usually I don't. And, um, and partly, I just want to get down to business. <laughs> right. Just my personality. Um, and often, yeah, yeah. And as far as, I always feel like if if I have a cast of actors, there's there's no way I can teach anybody anything of great significance in four weeks. While they're also learning to to the play right so mm-hmm. um they're going to have to rely on their own technique their own motivations their own methods methods and i and i can't be responsible for that as a director 
And so I, when an actor tries to make me responsible for it, I push back pretty hard because I've I kind of made that decision a long time ago. Right. Well, That's I think sort it of how works. Think. Yeah, because it's just real. You can't you cannot um, teach anybody anything new and have it sink in into their bones in that short of a period of time while they're also trying to like learn a role. Right. <laughs> Right. So I, you know, they got they, people need to find whatever works for them, and uh, that's just how I've always done it. The other yeah. thing I liked about it, your directing, was that you spoke from the viewpoint of this is how it reads to me. Yeah. This is what's not clear to me. Yes, that's this what is, I always do. Which was very helpful as an actor. Well, that's me. for you, but helpful. some actors don't like it, but that's okay. I understand because they want to understand. Well, that does, I can't justify that. I can't. But see, that's well, the way I look at it as a director. That's your job as an actor. I mean, yeah. I am sitting out here as a super hypercritical audience member, right? Yes. And no matter how hard a time you have of not being able to justify something, if it works, it works. You got to figure out how to make it work for okay. yourself, or just do it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of American actors. I find have a hard time just doing something because it works. They have to have a reason. And I think that's because the method is so ingrained, you know, method mm-hmm. acting is so ingrained in our in our psyches, whether we know it or not. Mm-hmm. But my, my time in, in England and then taking classes from somebody else, uh, what's his name? He used to be uh, Jeffrey Beer. Oh, right. Yeah. He I did. realized that that's all just an American thing. You know, in other places, it's just do it. Right. And then figure it out later, you know. Right. Because the audience isn't going to, has no way of knowing. There's no way of knowing. They have no way of knowing what's going on inside for you personally. All they see is what's happening on the outside. I mean, if if you can't cry on stage, but you're really good at fake crying, they're going to think you're really crying. Mm-hmm. They're not going to know whether you're really crying. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And a lot of people would disagree with me, but it's true. I mean, I yeah. I do agree with yeah. you on that. Yeah. Also, it was a big uh, another illumination for me was when I was with Gene Shelton. Was I suddenly realized one day it wasn't a question of whether I was talented or not. Personally, it was a question of whether her technique worked for me or not. Yeah. And once I was able to flip that around, I was suddenly free to learn the technique and see if her technique worked. Yeah. And when you're in the class, you do her technique. But then when you get in the real world, you use whatever parts of it works for you. That's how I look at it. Because I've taken classes. Me too. I've taken classes from so many people. And after a while, you realize you have to have your own technique. Right. Um, you do. Yeah. So. And that's kind of what I hope to teach these um, students that are coming now are the, a lot of these people are are they are they curious about acting or I know sometimes people want to take acting classes because they think it's going to help them with business uh, public speaking self-confidence do, do you know right. do you know some of the motivations that people have I do know some of them uh-huh. um, the, the people that I know already I've worked with in an acting situation 
um, directing them in plays or directing them in readings. Oh, yeah. Um, the other people I don't know, but they have confided in me, well, I, I'm trying to step out of my box or I want to learn how to be more comfortable in front of a, a group of people speaking. Yeah. And so I'm going to try and address some of those issues also. Mm-hmm. As far as standing up and talking on a subject, yeah, that would be that's one of their homework assignments. Oh, good. Is like Toastmasters, right? Like Toastmasters, <laughs> exactly. We yeah. will have that aspect to it. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I'm gonna try and reach them where they're at. And oh, you could do that with the there. improv. Yes, isn't part of Toastmasters like improvisational speaking on some random subject? Is it really? I think they do have a... Yeah, I know they have a division like that. I have a friend in in Ireland who was competing with that. Oh, my. Yeah, you just improvisational speech. Off the top of your head. Yeah, they just give you some subject and you just got like five minutes go. You know? Oh, I'm going to try that. <laughs> yeah, you should check it out. It's probably on the I Toastmasters. Will. I will yeah. try that. Yeah. Well, I have a list of improvisational things that I used to do with the kids that I, and some of them are adaptable for adults. And I've been going through coming up with the syllabus and what each topic will be on each class. And that's great. It's very exciting. Yeah. Are you are you ex- excited about teaching adults or uh, having taught children for so long? Are you looking? Forward I to am it? in the yeah. sense of um, the one thing I really enjoyed with the kids was watching the light bulb go off, which yeah. happens with adults also. Yeah. Uh, when you see that happen, that's that's ex- why you do it. Yeah. Uh, the thing with the kids that got to me was the parents. <laughs> right, right. Having to deal with why did my child get a bigger part than this? Why haven't you done this? Oh, my gosh. You have to tell so-and-so to speak up more. Um, yeah. Things like that. They treat it like soccer practice. Yes, that's exactly right. And <laughs> it got to be too much for me, and I just decided I was done one day, and I was after 14 years. So. Yeah. No, that's amazing that you could do it. I, I could never teach kids probably partly because of that. Well, not that I never could, but it would be hard for me to do it on an ongoing basis because I, would, I, would, I don't have enough patience. It yeah. does require a lot of patience. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I've seen amazing things come out of the kids that I never would have expected. Yeah. And when I left, the day that I left... They had a presentation for me. The kids had a presentation for me. They did a scene. They did a few scenes from Hamlet. Oh, wonderful! That they had rehearsed out on the blacktop <laughs> that nobody knew about. Oh, that the parents wow. knew about. So they helped provide costume pieces, and they came in and said, "Mrs. Hutchinson, we have this show we want to sh- put on for you." Wow! I I wept. Not it was bad. so beautiful. How moving. Yes, and to see Hamlet with Ophelia, and they're both like in eighth grade, was just amazing. Yeah, well, that's wonderful. They must have uh, they must have um, been very appreciative of everything you'd done for them. And yeah, wow. Do you have any students from the past that um, have continued acting that you know of? Uh, quite a few, but yeah. I don't know. It uh, not enough time has passed for them to have moved on to Broadway or oh, yeah. someplace like well, that. Well, some of them will for but sure. Quite a few have. There was someone at CVS who was ringing up my order, yeah, and I didn't recognize him. 
And he said, Mrs. Hutchinson, I have to tell you that I directed a scene from Macbeth in my English class. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I never would have done it if I hadn't studied Shakespeare with you. Oh, that's great. I know. See, that's, that's what makes it worth it when you teach kids, huh? Yeah, and yeah, here he is with the CVS vest on <laughs> in his name. <laughs> Incredible. I know. Yeah. Yeah, the kids grow up so fast. and it, it, for, for you, it's like like yesterday, and for them, it's half their right. life, you know. Right, very yeah. much so. Yeah. yeah. I should tell you the names of the people who've signed up for the class. Oh, okay. Um, Clyde Pinto. Okay. I directed his daughter in a few things. Yeah. And he confided in me one day he'd always wanted to be an actor. Oh, okay. So I, he's one of the reasons why I started the the, the, um, the class. Then there's um, an actor. He's known as the Other Chapo. <laughs> <laughs> that's his name. That's the his, Other Chapo. That's what he goes by. Okay. That's his last name is Chapo. I love it. <laughs> I know. Isn't that funny? That's Another his... Chapo. <laughs> right. Barbara Griever, Sue Bucock, Paul Burning, John McGill, Susan Mitchell, Alec Braun, Jamie Slover. Oh, okay. And there's one person who's on the fence, and that's the tenth person. Ah. Well, maybe the other Chapo can convince that person. Yes. I've say, never... I'm the other Chapo. You want to be in the class because right. I am well known. Because you're right, because I'm well known. Yes. <laughs> so we mentioned Hamlet. Yeah. I would love to do a production of Hamlet. Right. Yeah. So you've been. So when would you like to do this? I would love to do it next fall. Yeah. Around Halloweenish. Oh, okay. Because you have all the spirits and the ghosts yeah. in the beginning and Hamlet's ghost. Right. Hamlet's father. Yeah. A lot of ghosts in Hamlet. Yeah, a lot of ghosts in Hamlet, <laughs> which makes it good for Halloween, I think. Yeah, I agree. That's a really good idea. You can That could be part of the marketing plan. That would be good to be part of the marketing plan. Yeah, yeah. And it's such, I mean, some people think it's Shakespeare's greatest play. Really? I didn't know that. Well, they say Lear or Hamlet or... I've seen Lear more times than I can count. Yeah. Uh, I always thought Macbeth was his greatest play. Oh, do you? Well, it depends on your... Yeah. I mean, yeah. Macbeth is one of them. Right. Is it okay to say Macbeth in here? Yes. Oh, okay. So because we're not backstage. In a theater. Yeah, right, it's right. It's only in a theater. You're yeah. not supposed to say Because yeah, it's bad luck in a theater. That's right. If you say Macbeth, well, you have to... Run around the building three times and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Recite something from a Midsummer Night's Dream. It oh, has yeah. to be let in. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the curse is released and the performance will be okay. It will be superlative <laughs> after all that. Yeah. I know, right. Yeah. Superlative. Yeah. 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 But you and I talked about this a little bit the idea of doing it in a college theater mm -hmm. so you could attract college students to come yeah. see it. Yeah, and if you, if you could um, maybe approach the English departments and the drama departments in months in advance, mm -hmm. although if it's in the fall, school would have just started, but uh, it's somehow promote it that way. Right, it's been yeah. my experience that lots of times teachers do check their emails over this summer. Oh, okay, yeah. And that's a way to reach them. Yeah, right, right. And then that would help them, you know, fill up some of their time if the students are, like, required to go. 
Exactly. We <laughs> and could... that's what you want to do is force people to go to theater. Well, you just reminded <laughs> me of something. Another thing we could offer would be um, a study guide to go with it. Oh, I love that when theaters do that. Yes. Yeah, like to put a PDF on the website. Right. And it real with it's really nicely formatted, like a little book they could print out. Exactly. It talks about the play and the production and characters, Shakespeare and character. Character and, analysis. Yeah. Yeah. That's those a are great. good idea. That's mm-hmm. a good idea. So yeah, even yeah. if you had to move it from October thirty first to well, Hamlet would be Hard to do it. Well, would it be hard to do around Thanksgiving? See, I just don't think theater, unless you're doing Dickens around Christmas in the month of December. After Thanksgiving, I guess you have to do Christmas plays. Right. It's an unspoken rule in America. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. But I think September, October, most, you know, all of November up to Thanksgiving is fine. Okay. My opinion. Yes. In my in my experience well, in having produced a bunch of shows, it's just that once you get past Thanksgiving, then you run into trouble. Right. Until the first of the year. With actors availability and yeah. people going to the theater. Yeah, they, people going to see Dickens and Christmas plays. Yeah. Right. Or not being able to go at all. Right. Or not yeah. being able to go at all. Because they're so busy. But you suggested having a young Hamlet. A younger him. <laughs> well, I mean, I, that's my opinion. I just, I, I always sort of see him as being kind of uh, naive in a way. Um, uh, but I don't know. He, he would have to be young. I think he would just have to be immature in some ways. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I always think of Hamlet as being kind of. Uh, he's very insightful, but it's almost like he's so intellectually advanced that that it gets in the way of him seeing the larger truth. But I don't know. Oh, like someone who goes to a gifted and talented school. Yeah, I don't know. That's sort of how I see Hamlet. Yeah. But you you were interested in playing the part of the king. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I would love to. Um, God, I went to school um, at Rada to learn Shakespeare, and I'd done I'd done Shakespeare here quite a bit before I went, and then after I got back, I haven't been in a Shakespeare play since, and that was oh like uh, <laughs> eight years ago. Wow. Yeah, I think it's because I joined Equity, and mm-hmm. there just aren't a lot of roles, but mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we had talked about opening the play, which could or couldn't, doesn't need to happen, but opening the play with actors coming in to a cart and opening the cart up and putting their makeup on and putting their Mm -hmm. costume pieces on and having a core group of like six or seven actors that do the whole play. Yeah. I did Midsummer Dream, Midsummer Night's Dream like that once. I saw you do it at the pair. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah, we did it like that. It was wonderful. Yeah. I really enjoyed your performance. Oh, thank you. What I did, I played two people. I was uh, Demetrius and uh, what was his name? One of the mechanicals. One of the Tinkers or the... Yeah, the one who plays... uh, uh, What's the play within the play? Um, What's it called? I forget. 
It's it's based on an Ovid short story. I know. That. Yeah, I just can't remember the damn name of the play. <laughs> right. uh, I play I play Thisbe. Pyramus and Thisbe. Pyramus and Thisbe. I played Thisbe, <laughs> right. which is which which was kind of weird because Thisbe is usually a, a slight young man who's sort of feminine, and I'm like 200 pounds with 46 inch shoulders, and I had to act like a little girl, <laughs> and. Uh, and this guy who's a stand-up comedian, he passed away, unfortunately, a couple of years ago, Jimmy Gunn, who's one of the most hilarious people I've ever known in my life, was Pyramus. Uh-huh. That must have been funny to watch. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was very funny to watch. Because I had to play Thisbe coming upon Pyramus, who died, and I had to do this very like heartfelt sort of monologue about the death of my love pyramus and i'm jimmy gunn was like short and like built like a fire plug and i'm <laughs> it was and i had a female wig on and everything it was it must have been i've seen video of it it was funny it was very and he's funny. funny oh my god just his expressions and stuff were so hilarious i didn't realize how funny he was until i saw the video i was like oh my god this is incredible. <laughs> and once again, it was beautifully staged. It was very simply staged in the middle. It was in the round. Yeah, right? it was in the round. And we but had you trees. had gorgeous costumes. We had gorgeous costumes that we changed on stage. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's where I got this idea. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Who played Bottom? Do you remember? Jimmy Gunn, yeah. He, he was wonderful. Yeah. He was yeah, yeah. fabulous. Oh, yeah. I loved him. Yeah, he was... He was you know, he was one of the, he was a very very talented man but unfortunately he uh he had kidney problems his whole life oh yeah I'm and he, sorry and he died that. a couple of years ago yeah at a young age but he will always be remembered a lot of people in the comedy world know him if you're listening any comics out there you'll know who Jimmy Gunn was in the bay area right yeah yeah. So, um, what else? What else? Anything? Well, I've been auditioning anything, a little anything? bit. Oh, yeah? What for? I auditioned for a play called Territories by the uh, Arabian Shakespeare Festival, or company is going to yes. be doing it. Arabian Shakespeare Festival. That's the name of their theater company. Is that their theater yeah. company? Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> um, they, this play, Territories, was done at the Magic in um, 2008. So 10 years ago, mm-hmm. it's done the magic. But it, it takes place in 1176. It's a story of three people who are, um, one is a crusader, one of them is a Muslim, and two of them are Muslim. And it has to do with wanting to get to Mecca and having their caravan kidnapped. Wow. It's a fascinating story by Betty Shamila. Yeah. Very timely. Very timely. Yes, with all the issues that are happening with the Muslim world versus the Western world right now. I know. And what I found exciting about the audition and about the, the part, Aaliyah, was not her quietude, although she certainly had that, but her bravery mm-hmm. in speaking up, in calling people um, out on the carpet when they need it, in, in this very Muslim world. Mm-hmm. of being a strong character, a strong female character. Yeah. Which, now, where is she during this? She's in Damascus. Is it true? Uh, it's based on um, 
a real war that was fought. Yeah. But it has an uh, the author has their own interpretation. Yeah. And the first line that she has is something along the lines of, my name will never be in the history books. Okay, good. I'm glad she put that because... Yes. Um, I know there are some modern Muslims who don't adhere to it, but most of the Muslim religion, uh, especially at that time, would never have let a woman be that prominent, as far as I know from what I've read. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So I did some background reading before I auditioned. Oh, that's um, good. Crusaders through Arab eyes, and it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. First of all, I didn't realize how busy the Crusaders were. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and how Raping busy and the Muslims were. <laughs> yeah. How busy both of them were. Well, the Muslims they, had their own crusades, too, yes. right? Yeah. The, everybody was, they just lived to fight. Yeah. That's what they lived for, yeah, was yeah, yeah. fighting, it Well, Muhammad like. was a huge warrior for Right. Prince, right, wasn't he? Yes, he was a big Which prince. is odd because Christ was sort of like a pacifist hippie, but somehow the Christian church ended up being really violent, so I find that mm-hmm. odd. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> they would rape and pillage. And... Yeah, everyone raped and pillaged. Right. Yeah. And in the play, it refers to the fact that they're doing it for water rights. Oh, okay. Which made a whole lot of sense when I was reading this background book, that yeah. a lot of it was over water rights. Yeah, getting not a lot of water the there. Right. Yeah. And who had the oasis and who didn't. Yeah. And it wasn't easy to dig wells back then, deep enough. No. Yeah. No. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, it's been great talking to you. It's been great talking with you too, Ray. <laughs> I've really enjoyed it. Well, that was my talk with Neva. That was a lot of fun. Always is a lot of fun to talk with Neva. Hopefully, we'll get to do it again soon. And I hope that your year is going well. I think I'll uh, close this out with a little bit of John Prine for you all. Why? Why, yes? Because I can. Good night, everybody. Until next time. What? I will see you on the boards. That's right. Good night.
was a young girl Well, I had me a cowboy Weren't much to look at Just a free rambling man But that was a long time No matter how hard I tried The years they just flow by like a broken down down Make me an angel That flies from Montgomery Make me a poster Of an old rodeo Just give me one thing That I can hold on to believe in this living is just a hard way to go There's flies in the kitchen I can't hear them buzzing And I ain't done nothing Since I woke up today How the hell can a person Go to work in the morning Come home in the evening And have nothing to say Make me an angel That flies from Montgomery Make me a poster Of an old rodeo Just give me one thing That I can hold on to To believe in this living is just a hard way to go To believe in this living Is just a hard way